This is the Gospel Revolution. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. Unaware that all the wild love's been knocking from within. You are the love you see. A perfect yet unique Here's the founder and president of the Gospel Revolution, Michael Lilborn Williams. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I didn't even do them in order, did I? <laughs> Daniel Thomas Rouse, thank you. Uh, how are you today, my friend? I am doing wonderful. I'm just so happy to be a part of the Gospel Revolution. You know, uh, we've. Uh, it seems as though you and I make that comment to each other almost on a at least a weekly ba- basis now, uh, because we're so blown away. Listen, if you're not impressed with us, we are impressed with us. <laughs> uh, there's times when we finish up just as we did, and uh, uh, we actually have a question from last week, which is. Uh, we want you to know that right up front to know that we're going to get to that. The material, this this uh, uh, hermeneutics, and that is the proper term to uh, as to it, it is the methodology in which we are doing Bible research, which there's no such thing as a research ministry. I get that. I get that. So you shouldn't have any hermeneutics because hermeneutics is about researching. Oh, well, I'm just being mean now, right? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, this methodology, these hermeneutics are yielding bushel baskets of understanding of the scripture. So, hey, listen, we'll encourage each other. Uh, Who was it? One of the prophets said that he encouraged himself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, at least you and I don't have to just encourage ourselves. We can encourage each other. But we do have encouragers also. But uh, uh, this is just fantastic, Daniel. What what do you make of all of this? I'm just in awe. You know, we had a little discussion last week about the comparison between what we've been learning and what I learned in uh, receiving my doctorate degree in uh, divinity. And I have to tell you, the the research that we have done and the work that we have done in the last even just couple of weeks has surpassed all the years that I spent mm-hmm. studying and teaching and and ministering and the years I spent as a pastor and growing up in a in a Christian home studying the Bible from when I was as long as I could read and what we have come to discover and it, it's actually a process as the Gospel Revolution is known for mm-hmm. it's been a process of unlearning. Yeah, I'm learning all of the stuff that we were mistaught, and um, you and I had a discussion just last night about, you know, for me, the thing that has shocked me in what we've learned is not that we have to play a mental gymnastics game, uh, as you have yes. called it, mental twister. Um, all we've done is read. Let the Bible speak for itself. Yeah. Read it in context, and then to add to that, the backdrop of the Hebrew scriptures. Oh my God. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the, all of this stuff that we made sound so spiritual and so wooey uh, is so simple. Yeah. It's so easy to understand and it makes sense and it fits the gospel story. 
the uh, the gospel story was foretold by the prophets. Mm-hmm. The gospel story was acted out by Christ himself uh, and the disciples, as you're going to see today. The fact that the greatest of attention was, uh, as far as we can tell, I mean, somebody may have done this and it's in their basement and all this, you know, uh, uh, all the scrolls or something's maybe in, uh, you know, someplace uh, in a foreign land or uh, buried somewhere in England or whatever. But the fact of it is, it's not published this intense, with great intent, looking at the story of the process of the gospel taking place in the three and a half year ministry, uh, the birth, well, the birth all the way through the death, burial and resurrection, put it that way, uh, that that was all prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures. The fact that that's never been ferreted out uh, because that's all, that's what we've done through, uh, especially these last few weeks and muddled through things that we have uh, realized, my gosh, this is about, this is, was, and uh, ever shall be about Jesus. And as we've been able to extract ourselves, let me, it sounds as though we are cheating you. By extracting you and us from the gospel story. Actually, we are doing what the gospel did, and that is inform the whole world of what they have been taken captive into. Uh, your mic is off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the big silent wow. Um, so, and, and so that was talking then and even daniel wasn't even impressed with what i was saying. <laughs> and i know there's people that feel cheated uh that the understanding that we've been able to ferret out has removed us and them out of this but until we remove us until the final work, all we are is the results of the work. We are not a part of the work. We're going to be covering some of that today. That's just going to blow your mind. Just mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's like week after week, my mind just gets blown. Um, I, I would love to see my brain on a scan <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. we are learning, because uh, I'm telling you what, there are nuances that are firing connections that are being made and i am i am enjoying uh this series you know mm. throughout the history of my history with the gospel revolution i came in when you and don were doing the series on the seven pillars oh my uh and that i think is oh, definitely a uh, capstone <laughs> uh series that the gospel revolution has produced and i think michael at least for me this one that we're doing now will definitely go down in history as one of the uh, best series done uh, through the Gospel Revolution. They really are amazing. I remember doing that, and uh, to give you a little bit of uh, backfill on doing that series on the Seven Pillars. That's actually a series that I did a long time ago, many years ago, 
And mm. Don Bartlett got it out, dusted it off, and we went through it again. And I was just blown away by what was in the series that I had taught years before. Wow. And uh, he kept saying, Michael, this series you did on the seven pillars is it's the best thing. It's like, I don't even remember doing it. <laughs> and uh, so what that show was, was recapping mm. what we had done. And I'm so grateful that Don had foresight to pull that out. And uh, because it, it would have been one of those series that would have been stuffed away. And, you know, who knows who would have ever enjoyed it or not. but. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this would be an opportunity for us to jump in and say that, you know, it was God's divine plan, because I tell you, that was when I was still a pastor, and I was listening to that series, and those seven things were the seven things that saved my my world, wow. I tell you. It's just, it really is amazing, and we uh, yeah. we appreciate you guys. And we're glad that you're along with the ride. And uh, you're our co-learners. You're our co-teachers. Uh, uh, we do not acknowledge an, uh, an authority structure. It's all hands on deck. And uh, speaking of which, we've recently had a, uh, well, we, we have several new listeners. And uh, the reason we talk about them is because they talk to us. Some of our uh, other guys, you, you just don't communicate with us very much, so we don't talk about you. Uh, one of them, Chris Stewart, who started texting me um, uh, a few months back and was a brand new listener and has told me about his progression. But uh, this guy, uh, now that the concept of the difference between his whole thing was trying to understand uh, uh, the difference between what was being taught by the aforementioned about the fallen mindset and the actual work of the cross. And so because he had the question, he dove into this headlong and he has brought out some incredible insights that we've shared with you on Facebook. And uh, and we just got it. Uh, an, another. Uh, this is from a text that uh, he and I were communicating on, and uh, we want you to hear this because uh, this really is quite amazing. Daniel, you have that uh, queued up there where you can read it for us. Yeah, he wrote in and said, "Humanity never demanded the cross. The proof comes out of this from Peter, a human." <laughs> he implored, Lord, you don't have to go to the cross. However, Jesus rebuked him, identifying that mindset as demonic. <laughs> well, he did say, get thee behind me, Satan, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Additionally, what if it's true that God never demanded the cross? Instead, he ordained it before time mm. began. There is no conciliation without ordination. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, and these guys will talk about uh, conciliation, reconciliation, uh, all of this stuff. But uh, he is exactly right. If there was never an ordination, there can't be conciliation. Uh, it's a part of the pro It is so weird out that the thought that removing the very guts, uh, if you will, of this entire plan somehow uh, leaves a story intact. And it just doesn't. He goes on to say, Adam simply wants an answer he can control with, which is a demonic mindset. Mm. The final Adam did not seek the answer, 
but only understanding. Understanding not having the answer is the spirit of sonship. Mm. I choose to trust the other side of the offense of the cross, which was the wrath of God. Wow. It was not human frustration, but concealed revelation. My goodness. <laughs> I, yeah, let's turn over the keys to him. You know, <laughs> it's like a, I've, I've been wanting to go to Hawaii for a vacation. I think I can do it now. So, <laughs> Except not without me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But we don't have any money, so. <laughs> we're free to go uh we can turn everything over to chris and uh we'll turn it over to chris and we'll call it the chris and lisa show our two newest uh, <laughs> uh listeners because boy these folks uh are listening and learning so quickly uh but you know that's kind of the 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 pattern that was set up uh about how that this all took place uh, not trying to spiritualize, over-spiritualize uh, their journey. Believe me, they know that what they're going through is a spiritual uh, uh, awakening. We also, <laughs> there was a post, <laughs> I've got to mention this, you know, beat me with a wet noodle or whatever you want. But we had, I, you know, it came up on my Facebook page, so I've got a right to mention it, right? Don Keithley uh, did a post. In the post, he said that uh, we do not need any more teachers. We need awakeners. Mm. Now, if there's no such thing as researchers, I doubt very seriously there's anything <laughs> such thing as awakeners. But it was interesting because, you know, he, get, he got several comments of very uh, uh, praiseworthy and but then one guy said, "Yeah, yay, yay! This is great. I love it. But what is the difference between a teacher and an awakener?" And again, it is as all of these guys handle these things: total crickets. Mm. Uh, that no response. Now they could have responded later on, but it was very active at the time, and there just simply was no response to this. So, um, goodness. <laughs> I, I just love that response. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I don't understand. Yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful. I'm just thrilled to the toes. But what the hell does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that Don is telling us that he is neither a teacher nor an awakener since he didn't answer the question. So <laughs> bad boy, bad boy. Michael, stop it. <laughs> bad boy all right <laughs> oh goodness before we move on to the next question we also want to uh welcome those listening in in the year 2054 mm -hmm. michael you think you still have your teeth well i was watching a guy strangely enough uh well it wasn't very strange that i was watching it but i was watching this guy who was 106 i'll be 102 on that date of 2054 and uh, he was missing all of his lower teeth. There was the two uh, canines, I think they call them, were still there. There was a little uh, uh, saliva leaking from both sides of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and cute as a button, you know, at that age, you know, you just have to go with, you know, well, that ain't that cute. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, very clear-minded uh it was it was really amazing. He actually was a, was telling his story about 
being a little boy at about 10 years old and being paid to do something while the Brooklyn Bridge was being built. So mm-hmm. very, very interesting character, you know, to be around still at 106 uh, whenever this show was recorded. But yeah, I, you know, 102, uh, do I want to? No, I don't want to. Uh, the uh, Sometimes I am seeing these people now, though, in their hundreds. Uh, and uh, some of them just seem really uh, just uh, happy and cheerful, uh, very busy, uh, busy-minded and uh, still active. Uh, so. You know, uh, I, I'm I'm willing, but I don't think have a choice as to how that's going to look or whether or not I will be here at the time. So, <laughs> so to all of you in uh, 2054, the one thing I don't know is whether I will be there, but I, we did know that you would be here. Mm. The reason we knew you would be here is because there is not a single shred of prophecy about the end of the world. In fact, there's every promise uh, about a dozen times in the Hebrew scriptures that say that what God created will never be destroyed. So uh, that we're confident of. And any problems we have that need to be cleared up, obviously they will be cleared up because uh, the Hebrew scriptures say that God's creation will never, ever be destroyed. Mm. So uh, enjoy, uh, get past all the threats. We know you're still getting threats that the end is just around the corner, but uh, chillax, uh, things, things, things are fine. You're going to get through. <laughs> yeah. Last week, um, we did the parable of the wheat and the tares, and it was probably one of the parables that we get asked about the most Mm -hmm. uh, to explain. Of course, Christianity has always taught that the wheat and tares are uh, on Judgment Day when uh, the good men will be divided from the bad men, the righteous from the evil, and the righteous will go on into eternity in heaven and the evil tares will be burned in hell forever and ever and ever and ever mm-hmm. and ever. Uh, but we went through and we looked at the work of the angels, that the, what they were going to do mm-hmm. was going to not remove uh, the evil people from the good people, right. but rather remove the offense and the iniquity out of the evil people, thus making righteousness shine forth. And in response to that, we had a question, which I'm so happy came in because I think there was some clarity that we wanted to bring to this again this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is from Carrie McDaniel. And Carrie writes in, I tried to follow the explanation of Matthew 1341 by Daniel. What resource did you use on interpreting all things that offend and them which do iniquity in verse 42? It also mentions wailing and gnashing of teeth which I would think would involve a person and not just a thing. Help me understand. Well, thank you, Carrie, for mm-hmm. writing in. You know, the resource we used was simply the Strong's Concordance. And all we did is we looked at those words, which were translated as uh, all things that offend, uh, which is only two words. Yes. All things is uh, pause, which just means all. That offend is 
simply the word offense. No, that there. Yep. No, that there. <laughs> <laughs> and then those who practice, those who practice is also one word and it doesn't involve people. It's uh, and those who practice lawlessness. So we have that. And in the King James Version, it's uh, iniquity. So that which causes, the, the very thing that causes iniquity. Mm-hmm. So you have the offense and the thing that causes iniquity. Those were the things that were removed by the angels. Uh, and all we did is we looked at the Greek words in the strong concordance and found out that they added to it. They embellished it in order to make it sound like people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, admittedly, I will say that after the show was done, I went and read through it myself again, and I had um, found that people were mentioned in this parable. And uh, I'm glad you gave us the opportunity to clear this up, because when you talk about the wailing and gnashing of teeth, I did a video here, uh, uh, I think it was a year ago, Michael, mm-hmm. about wailing and gnashing of teeth, and basically showed that this wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, a couple thoughts about it. A lot of people think that that wailing and gnashing of teeth was actually added to the translations years after they were written. Uh, but then I go into the fact of, okay, let's just say they were actually part mm-hmm. of it. What was this wailing and gnashing of teeth? Uh, and you see that throughout the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, you see that throughout uh, even Jesus's uh, ministry is that these priests always got mad and they tore their clothes. They yes. rent their clothes. And then they gnashed their teeth. <laughs> they got mad. And every instance that had happened with the priests regarding Jesus, it was Jesus exposing their self-righteousness. Exactly. And that's what I believe that this is talking about here is the wailing and gnashing of teeth is everything that the angels removed. Uh, it was a process of, and the wailing and gnashing of teeth was everyone looking back and saying, all that my self-righteousness came to nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we went into what uh, First Corinthians talks about that is that if that's taken away, yes, it will be a loss to that person, but the person himself will remain wholly righteous. And that's what we think is going on here. But if we back this story up, we see that people are involved. Um, it says in verse 38 of chapter 13 of the book of Matthew, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, we did a series here a while back about the sons of God. Yeah. And uh, what we discovered is that the sons of God or the sons of the kingdom before the cross is there is no mention of anyone ever being called the son of God. Uh, yes, exactly, because the uh, God had no sons before the cross. Now, God had, he had uh, sons by rights of creation, but there's a mm-hmm. difference between uh, being the creator father of something and it actually being them actually being your sons. But you can be the father, you can be a father without sons. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Uh, Henry Ford is the father of the automobile. It doesn't mean that automobiles are his sons (laughs) Uh, because he sure is not taking very good care of them. Mm. Um, So, uh, and and that's just a really basic principle that is a fact. It is just a fact. God was a father by creation rights, but he, 
you can't dismiss the fact that Jesus was the only begotten of the Son of the Father. Mm-hmm. The Father Creator had only one begotten Son, yeah. out of which came all sons. Uh, and and then God and Son were one, even as Christ and God, uh, the Father, were one. Man and God became one in that mm-hmm. entire process, as Don Bartlett used to share with with us that uh, Jesus was the prototype thereof. So, and then the this transition, it's a beautiful uh, transition because all of the fears were built up that judgment is coming, judgment is coming on man, on the wicked, on this and on that. And look what God did at the last moment. The very first thing that got nailed to the cross was the law. Oh, come on. Mm-mm. So, uh, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. We've judged by the law all of these years. And now if the law's gone, where's the iniquity? Mm-hmm. Where's the lawlessness if there is no law? Yeah. So this transition, yes, it was directed at bit. Yes, it was people. Yes, people were in the direct line of fire, mm-hmm. fire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people were the designated point of judgment. But the big secret was of the gospel was this very fact that God at the last moment in a mm-hmm. very quick and a lightning fast movement, he removed iniquity from mankind, brought mankind into total righteousness and destroyed the iniquity that was a part of man, that was that was a part of us through the law and also a part of us through the first Adam. So mm-hmm. he destroyed the first Adam in the body of Christ and he destroyed the law in the body of Christ. And therefore, everything that talks about judgment coming toward men and women and children and dogs and cats and all of the varmints, all of that went with the iniquity itself. The iniquity was separated by separating law from man and separating the first Adam from man also. And then that is what was judged. Mm. Brilliant freaking plan. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, but I'm too excited. Uh, <laughs> but folks, the whole Christian world has missed this. Mm-hmm. So what we are doing, and thank you so much, uh, for I'm old. I call people honey baby and all that. <laughs> so you're just going to have to get over it. I'm not going to change. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I'm going to get worse. I promise you. I am going. I can see it written on the walls. <laughs> I am going to get worse. <laughs> And uh, but this fantastic plan. But you see, because our aforementioned don't know this plan, they try to whitewash the cross. Mm -hmm. But that uh, and say, oh, no, nothing was ever wrong in the first place is a fallen mindset. Well, then we have this uh, man come along. Named Chris Stewart and starts explaining all this to us and uh, uh, brand new in the gospel revolution. Folks, we don't care how old you are. We don't care how inexperienced you are. If you've got truth to share, we're going to put you on the front page. Mm. And I've been wanting to disappear from all of this for decades. 
And all I've been doing is looking around to see where where is my exit. I have been looking for the exit. I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the founder. I don't want to be the president. I don't want that at all. I'm stuck with it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, uh, thank goodness, you know, people like Daniel come along and uh, and others that have uh, uh, taken and understood the gospel uh, uh, clearly enough to where that just like what Daniel did with these verses that were in question, folks, that is the power of the gospel. To see that point, now see, Daniel was also the one, I think it was Daniel, Lord, I forget who did what, to who to work, (laughs) Uh, but uh, we went through that whole thing in uh, 1 Corinthians about the temple. Remember when we were reading Mm. that? And suddenly it was just there in front of us. It says that God would destroy the thing that defiled the temple. He's not going to destroy the temple. There is no precedent for God destroying his own temple anywhere in the Hebrew scriptures. But Mm. God always removed anything out of the temple that was defiling it. Mm, mm, Always, mm. always, 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 always. Can I say always? Always. So here we come up to this verse and suddenly it means something totally different than what it has been throughout the the, uh, ages of the understanding of temple life. God never destroyed his own temple. Are you are you crazy? Mm. Uh, God took out of the temple everything that offended and destroyed it. Now you are the temple. You are you're the building. You're the temple. You're uh, uh, you're the mansion. You're all of this. And uh, Jesus uh, took a whole chapter. Uh, isn't that amazing? Jesus had, knew how to take exactly a, a whole chapter. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, explained how that he and the father were going to come and dwell in you, the mansion. Mm. And uh, uh, so this story is repeated intricately in every possible way to talk about it. Yeah. And this one happens to be wheat and tares. Mm hmm. So what do you do with the wheat and tares? Does it talk about people? Yeah, it talks about people. But don't miss the transition point to where that the thing that was causing judgment to come upon the tares to be able to see that the tares themselves had the iniquity removed from them Mm. and that everything that offends was removed out of the kingdom. It says everything that would offend would be removed out of the kingdom. And it was removed. Why? Because the transgression of Adam was destroyed. Get it? The transgression of Adam was destroyed at the cross. Mm. And the law that was applied because of transgression was destroyed at the cross. So Jesus never died for your little petty sins. Jesus died to remove the law that keeps anything that you do ever being recorded as sin ever again on planet Earth. Sin does not exist because Jesus took away the seed source of sin, Adam, and he destroyed it 
And Jesus also took away the law source of transgression, and he destroyed both of them, united himself to God and you to God and us to him and them, and we are one. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's my sermon. Let's take up the offering now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we read from uh, the Revelation as well about how the um, they would put he would put in the sickle and uh, he would because the harvest was ripe and that was substantiated through uh, I believe it was Jeremiah and Joel and uh, what we see in that is is how precise this cut was and it, it didn't cut out the people it yeah. cut out that which uh, <laughs> yeah. offended the people it was the offense in the people it was the iniquity yes. within the people like Michael said this definitely this judgment was coming towards man. But at the very last moment, the the great surprise, the great mystery was rather than cutting off all the people, he cut out that which uh, defiled the people. And then as that uh, teaching that Jesus did on that parable ended, the righteousness will shine forth as the son of the kingdom. And I think it's important, again, to emphasize where Christianity gets this wrong is the timeline. Because mm-hmm. Jesus specifically says at the end of the age, and yes. Christianity is still looking for the end of the age, but every other place that you look at the story, and it's really clear in the book of Daniel, is that end of the age is the cross, is the yeah. day of judgment. It is the day of the Lord, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, you can call it the great bait and switch. Uh, you can call it anything you want, but As he stated, as was prophesied, and a quick work will the Lord Mm. do upon the earth. Mm. This happened in, how quick? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It it switched up so quickly, and the judgment came so fiercely and so profoundly on all of the lawlessness and all iniquity was judged in the body of Jesus Christ. So you guys that are out there saying, oh, no, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. Get over in the corner with Peter and just stand there with him with his nose in the corner because Jesus told him that spirit that is telling you that I did not have to go to the cross. That's from Satan. Mm. Now, we know Satan has been destroyed. So what does that make you? I guess just stupid. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I warned you, it's going to get worse. (laughs) Well, thank you, Carrie, um, for writing in. We appreciate, as we've always said, questions are the lifeblood of the gospel revolution. And it's the questions that come in that help Mm -hmm. us to clarify the gospel a little bit more. And, uh, you know, we were actually hoping that after we did that teaching, that someone would write in and question us. About we that. actually, we <laughs> actually talked about it. Yeah, and and so we prayed, and the Lord moved. Oh, well, I can't get by with any of that stuff, can I? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so thank you. Keep the questions coming. You might say, where can I send the questions? The best place is freedom at gospelrevolution.com. Uh, send in those questions, mm-hmm. and uh, we we will address them. Uh, someone emailed me personally and said, uh, you know, I, I've written in and I've, you know, asked this and I've asked that, and uh, I don't ever remember seeing it. So I pointed her to freedom at gospel revolution. Send in your questions there, and we will address them. We yes. promise you, we will. 
you're not going to get crickets from us. If if we didn't answer the question, we didn't see it somehow. Yeah. So that's why Daniel is being very explicit in uh, letting you know exactly how to get these questions to us. Number one, uh, goodness, uh, there's people that send them the uh, to me in text sometimes, and uh, I. You know, we just we try our best to follow through with them. And it's not that we can't make a mistake and uh, not follow through with something. Uh, We definitely can. And we have in the past. But there will never be a time. There has never been a time that I can remember that we ever ignored somebody's question. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you do that? It's about what you're saying. Wouldn't you want to use the question to be able to elaborate? Instead of being dismissive, I just, I don't get the dismissiveness of the aforementioned. I don't get their dismissiveness. Oh, well, read a book. You know, that's, (laughs) oh, go read a book. You know, I want to say, well, you go, I guess I got bleeped out, didn't I? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We had a few bleeps last week. (laughs) I know it's getting bad around here. So, <laughs> well, moving right along. Yes, please, quickly. <laughs> what will we do if we don't get bleeped? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll be run out of town on a rail. I got the gospel revolution. Uh, we want to move on to our next command. Um, we, again, are going through a list, and that was last week. Last week, we had looked at, uh, it came into the wheat and tares, but it started by saying that we need to pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest field. And uh, that led us to asking the question, well, what is the harvest? Which led us to the parable, mm-hmm. which uh, led us to an understanding uh, that the harvest has already been reaped and uh, that's already been done. So praying for laborers to be sent out to the into the harvest, yeah, you're 2,000 years late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week we are moving on the list, and this is a list of uh, several dozen commands and teachings from a specific ministry that actually has a podcast uh, titled something like The Teachings and Commandments of Christ. And that's what they do, is they tell their followers, and they have, Michael, they have a lot more followers than we do. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot more listeners than we do. Uh, they have conferences of thousands and thousands of people from all over the world that come in. And they teach them to follow the commands and teachings of Christ. But in the very upfront of their teaching, they say, you cannot follow the commands and teachings of Christ unless you are empowered by mm-hmm. the grace of God. And what we have been challenging is the fact that these are commands and teachings that we need to follow today. Um, I was just watching a video um, last night about a man teaching that you need to follow the commands and teachings of Christ. And I, I, I thought, I, you got to listen to this because what we have found in the last 20 or so that we have done is that you can't do it mm-hmm. or you got the timeline wrong. Yeah. So as we move on today, uh, Michael, our commandment today is to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And it comes from Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Mm. And again, first off, let's let's let this speak for what it is saying, for whom is saying it to whom. Uh, This is Jesus saying it unto his disciples. Mm. And he sent them out for a very specific uh, thing as they were going out. What what was it that he was telling them uh, that he was sending them out to do, Daniel? If we back up uh, the story, so that's uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. If we go back, well, of course, verses one through four, as you mentioned, this is a, uh, he's speaking specifically to 12 people. Yes. His 12 apostles. Says that, doesn't it? Yep, it says that. And then verse five says, and it names them. Verses one through four names them. And then chapter verse five says, these 12 Jesus sent out and command to say, do not go into the ways of the Gentiles. Do not enter into the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wow. So this is, uh, we, we are getting precise here. Is this commandment to anybody today? Uh, it looks to me like we've got a certain number of people that this commandment was to. And we've got all 12 of their names. And we also have a directive to stay away from the uh, Gentiles and the Samaritans. Mm. Don't go into the city of the Samaritans and stay away from the Gentiles. So this was something to do with Israel. Now, this is where our Israel-only folks take up and then go off into a loop into another world that does not exist, I might add. But what did happen was this particular thing that Jesus told his 12 disciples, named them. He sent them forth and telling them to be as wise as serpents and meek as uh, doves. And uh, for what purpose? What did he send them to do? Uh, Now, he sent them uh, uh, preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So they were, uh, whatever he was doing, it was to announce the soon arrival from this point of the kingdom of God. Mm. So this was, um, these were commercials. These were announcements. So whatever whatever he told them to do was to get their uh, to get Israel's attention about this subject of the coming of the kingdom of God. Well, why would he have not sent them to the Samaritans and to the Gentiles? Because the Gentiles and the Samaritans were not taught about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Now that does not eliminate the Gentiles and the Samaritans being included in the kingdom of God. Right. In the final analysis, we know that that is true. But what it does say is that this has all culminated to all of these incredible prophecies about the coming of the kingdom of God. And by golly, we are uh, at the precipice. So what happens here? Well, I want to just stop for a second and say what, this website tells us about this verse. 
what they go into telling us is not about the 12 apostles and what they did or what they're supposed to do, but it goes and tells us about what we are supposed to do. Oh, my goodness. That we are supposed to understand how Jesus taught, how Jesus ministered, and we're supposed to minister like him. We're supposed to be wise. We're not supposed to attack. We're supposed to avoid conflicts, but we're supposed to be wise and also gentle, and but also be smart. But also, did they say, make sure you're talking to a Jew? No, they did not say that. Wow. No, actually, to the contrary, they say to the world, uh, which, you know, by the way the Bible defines the world is the whole broad view of the world. and Israel and everybody else, yeah. Now, Michael, when I look at this verse, the other thing that if we could say what we wanted it to say, wouldn't it be nice to say that this is how we should share the gospel, is to be wise and to be harmless as doves and... Mm -hmm. You know, we here at the Gospel Revolution, we promote that we're going to learn until we learn war no more. Yeah. Uh, And that's being harmless as a dove, isn't it? Yes. So, uh, one would think that that would be what that uh, would be saying. Uh, So, how how did they work this out, Daniel? So, they go into, uh, the disciples that is, they go into this and, and what they're told to do is they're told to go to the house of Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel, and to preach and to say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we can either look at what Christianity shares about it, what we want it to say, or we can look at the context and see what really happened. Mm. So they're talking about, so if uh, the only way that this would compare to us, we're talking about the end of war between people as Mm -hmm. the prophecy but this is actually talking about the end of war between God and man. Yeah. And that is what the manifestation of the kingdom of God did, as much as it makes some people angry to think. Isn't it amazing? People get angry to think what the scriptures say about what this was all about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, how were they supposed to get everybody's attention? So it goes on. Uh, so we read uh, Matthew ten seven, and as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse eight: Heal the sick, mm. cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Well, I think that's what uh, you know. Uh, Global Grace is trying to do. They're trying to manifest as sons of God, so they can do this right. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a very noble uh, and, and uh, worthy uh, pursuit, but uh, the thing of it is, is this for us to be doing? Now, we've pointed out many times that because we've accepted, people have accepted that, uh, you know, there's something greater about us than what we understand. So, what have they done? They've, uh, goodness, look at all of the diseases we've healed. Daniel and I both are sitting here with glasses on. When this was written, there was no such thing as a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Daniel had an eye that was uh, turned in and uh, waited and prayed and uh, for that miracle. Uh, dad, family, every preacher in the Word of Faith movement could see that Daniel had this need. None of them were able to heal the sick, including all of his family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, None of them were able to do it. But you know what? Uh, A doctor had uh, learned how. There had been a technique. And Daniel went in and just, how long did this procedure take, Daniel? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. And and Daniel's eyes have been perfect since. So 
what we like to point out to you is that we are healing the sick. We are cleansing the leper. We are raising the dead. There's plenty of people that died now that if they had died then, they would have stayed dead. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that definitely, I mean, we have heart resuscitation. Nobody would have ever thought about trying to resuscitate somebody. I mean, they know now that if you drown in cold water, you can stay dead up to 30 minutes. And if they reheat you and rewarm you just right, uh, they can bring you back to life in many uh, cases without even any uh, damage to the brain. Uh, That aside, that we are doing the miraculous. It's so amazing that we are curing people all the time, and that is being ignored by the church mm-hmm. because it didn't come through laying on hands. Yeah. Uh, well, let me tell you what's not coming through the laying on of hands, and that is you getting healed. Mm-hmm. I know you've got your story. I had mine. I laid hands on as many people as you did, and, and Daniel did too, and he watched his dad do it. And we, we have sobered up and come out of a drunken stupor that said that something actually happened and told stories that made it look like. Now, there was things that we could not explain because, you know, if you pray about everything, somebody's going to get well. Yeah, there's all of that. But cutting through all of that mess and laying it aside, let's accept the fact that this was miraculous. Mm-hmm. They were healing sick people. They were raising people from the dead. They were, I, I mean, how much fun is that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, in fact, they came back uh, later on and told Jesus, "What a uh, man, this has been so much fun. Look what you, we, we did what you told. We've been going around. We've been doing this. And Jesus said, yeah, right. Yeah, big deal. Don't rejoice about that, but rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. Wow. Where do we go from here, Daniel? Well, you know, if only we could compare this to the Hebrew scriptures. Well, that's what (laughs) we always do, but I just doubt very seriously that this is recorded in any place in uh, the prophecies. Was this possibly prophesied about? Because if it was, we might get some insight as to what was actually happening. Well, as we read through this uh, whole chapter, uh, Michael and I did that, and we won't have to do it today, but I encourage you to do that. Read through this whole story, um, because he goes on to tell him exactly how to go. Don't bring any mm-hmm. gold with you. Don't bring any provision with you. Mm-hmm. Don't bring any extra clothes. Go into a specific house, and if they accept you, uh, put your peace upon the house. If they reject you, then just you know dust the, the, the dust off your feet and move on to the next city, because there's judgment coming. Yeah, and you know they're very quick. Uh, modern day preachers are quick to dust uh, the shake the dust off of their feet, but they're not very quick about leaving their clothes behind and their money and their wallets. Uh, this literally says, "Leave your wallet home." Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, you know what's in your wallet. Well, <laughs> so uh, uh, according to the commandment that goes along with the ability to heal, you're not supposed to have any money. Mm. So only broke people can do this. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got this a little mixed up if we are actually thinking this is about us. At least the preachers I know that claim these things in their ministry, which you and I both have been around. Yeah. Uh, I was one of the first people who was a catcher in Benny Hinn's meetings up in Canada. I believe it was London, Ontario. All I did is hurt my back stayed with me for two or three decades 
and nothing uh, and but there was announcements of great healings you know one guy stood there just breathless telling us how that uh he had his toes cut off when he was a kid and they just now grew back in his shoes and we uh, took his shoes off and voila there were toes now we didn't have any pictures and none was ever produced of him being without toes uh, but they were there. That was proof. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, goodness. So then the story goes on and it talks about this persecution that's going to come uh, amongst it. And then if we pick up the story in verse 24, and I really want to emphasize, and we really want to emphasize that this is talking to the disciples. And it says in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he should be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they had called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Mm -hmm. Uh, Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered which will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in dark, speak it in the light, and whatever you hear, preach it in the house. And Michael, I think you did a teaching here a while back, and we were looking at this word disciple. Yeah. And there is actually one reference to the disciples in the Hebrew scriptures, and it actually calls them disciples. Wow. And it's prophesied about them, and that is in Isaiah chapter 8. Well, let's go there, boys and girls. So we see here in Matthew chapter 10, this commandment that is given not to the whole world, but specifically to these 12 disciples. And what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to preach and say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then they're supposed to do miracles, signs, and wonders. Yeah. And if we look at Isaiah chapter 8, in verse 16, it says, bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples, Mm. and I will wait on the Lord, who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel, from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. Well, Daniel, there is a prophecy about that specific day and exactly what happened that day. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Nobody ever told me that. You went to Rhema Bible Training Center. Did they ever point out to you that this was a day prophesied by Isaiah? No, to the contrary. We took it. We made it about us. We made it about us. We took that one little line. We are for signs and wonders. Not in Israel. We just said we are for signs and wonders. And we said, yeah, we're for signs and wonders. Let's go preach. Let's go do this because we're for signs and wonders. Now, one of the things that uh, was also twisted by uh, virtually every Christian denomination and uh, the Word of Faith movement was the the number one culprit of this was uh, taking these things and calling them promises, mm-hmm. healings and deliverance and raising from the dead was a promise from God. And we went into extreme detail on the subject of promise and promises from the uh, from the Hebrew scriptures all the way through the New Testament. 
And uh, we found out that virtually every time that it had the word promises, plural, that it was singular. Mm-hmm. And we knew, and every time that was there, it was about a single promise and it was about righteousness. One of the reasons that people keep getting hooked back to this and they want to become manifest sons or they want to become, uh, you know, completely consecrated, uh, dedicated, committed, uh, you know, sell out for Jesus, what, whatever the term becomes in whatever group it is. It's so that they, it comes from a very good heart that they want to be able to do this. They want to duplicate and replicate this again. Mm. However, this, according to this prophecy, was for a specific time to accomplish a specific goal. I'm trying to look here. It just says to bind up the testimony. Bring in the testimony. It's funny. It means to cramp also. Mm. Uh, And, you know, the thing that we are seeing here is this speedy transition that everything was going into at this time. Even as we just followed up with this, uh, the speediness of this, all of this happened because everything had to go into a transition day. See, uh, this was not the day of the Lord that these disciples were sent out. They did not get sent out on the day of the Lord. They got sent out to prepare for the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So everything was the word seal means to make an end, uh, to mark or seal or to stop, to bring a full stop to the testimony of God. (laughs) Wow. You know, Michael, this is mentioned here in, in Matthew's, uh, in, in Jesus' teaching here in Matthew. He says, you'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them wow. and to the Gentiles. My goodness. Everything was for a testimony at that time. The miracles mm-hmm. were for a testimony. Their being brought before the judges was for a testimony. This is not about you. And when you get caught speeding and you're standing before the judge getting a ticket, don't stand there and wait for Jesus to tell you what to say. <laughs> so I say, <laughs> he ain't going to tell you anything. You may come up with something pretty clever to say, uh, but it's probably going to get you, uh, you know, a heavier fine than what you were going to get in the first <laughs> place. Uh, but you'll be able to talk about it the rest of your life, right? Mm, yeah. So none of this about the miracles that were done. None of this about the consequences that were going to happen to them as a result of preaching these things has anything to do with the way things are today. Wow. Because the prophet Isaiah explained it to us that this was all to be done uh, for what purpose? It was to, uh, we hadn't even read that part yet, have we? No. Oh, my goodness. Well, Daniel, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michael, of course, this part of it is about the disciples. And as we have endeavored to do is we want to find Christ in this story. Mm -hmm. So this is the disciples part, but it's all leading to a culmination in Christ. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if we were to back up in this story, if 
where we find Christ as the main character. Okay, so we're backing up from Isaiah chapter 8, which actually calls them disciples. Yep. And and is actually telling them to bind up the testimony and seal the law. Uh, And that word seal means to bring to an end. Mm. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I love that. Uh, to bring to an end, uh, to bind up the testimony, get the testimony all completed and uh, prepare the law for its end. Mm. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. Wow. And But if we do back up, then let's go back. Uh, uh, is it about Christ? So the, the thing that helps is that sometimes some places – it's so clear that it's about Jesus that most of the Christian world knows these verses. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of ignored because people don't use the Hebrew scriptures to try to research what it is they're reading, whether it's in Matthew or any place else. When we're doing research, we're always looking back to the Hebrew scriptures, as is the instruction from Christ himself, to find out how this is all about him. So how is this Matthew account all about Jesus when it looks like he made it all about the disciples for the day, right? Yeah. So uh, if we go back, I I think it looks like, uh, Daniel, let's look at uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, This should be fairly familiar to most everyone. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive a, and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, there's a name called Emmanuel, right? Mm, yep. Now, we have, I've watched Bishop Spawn just absolutely ha-ha himself almost to peeing in the floor. Uh, and everybody else has followed along. Oh, virgin, that means maid. That's what that word means. Well, look up that word virgin that in other places is translated made. And I challenge you to find one place where it's said made that it doesn't mean virgin. Yeah. That the context of the story means virgin. This is one of those things uh, we're actually going to be covering in our uh, Canada conference uh, of uh, the the facts of the virgin birth that this really did uh, take place and why. It's important to know about the seed. It's important to know the whys of the virgin birth. Mm. Or if you don't know that, you're going to come up with your own story. Yeah. So we don't need our own story. We don't need our own testimony. We want to know God's testimony. And uh, man, if the disciples were around to help bring an end to the law, and then Jesus took the law to the tree, I think it's for us to be dealing with the law, we'd be just a bunch of fools. Yeah. To be dealing with law and sin now. Yet that's where people are stuck. So that is very clearly talking about Jesus. You know, it's very interesting if we start in chapter eight, uh, there's another th- name that shows up that I have never heard of before. And uh, it starts out and says, Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll and write in it with a man's pen concerning Mehar Shalal Hashbaz. Say that 10 times fast. Now, repeat that after me. (laughs) (laughs) Mahar Shalal Hashbaz. Mm. Now, uh, I've never seen this or heard it before. 
Nor have I. Uh, I looked at it and said, oh, my goodness, look at that word, and probably read on quickly. And then it says, uh, I took unto me the faithful witness to record Uriah, the priest, and Zechariah, and the son of uh, uh, Jeberkin, and uh, went unto the prophet, uh, prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord unto me, call his name Mahar Shalal Hashbaz. Mm. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoils of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of, As of Assyria. Uh, and this goes on. And uh, Daniel, this is describing Christ again, isn't it? Yeah, and actually it, it, it picks up, uh, it, Jesus talked about this too in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He'll pass through Judah, he'll overflow and pass over, he'll reach up the neck, and the stretching of his wings will fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. Yeah, so then, uh, so here we found, uh, dun, 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 we found a brand new uh, Hebrew name. Now, this is called Son of uh, Isaiah. And now this, and they will tell you any Bible research that you do, this is this is a supposed son, a almost mythical, they would say, uh, son of Isaiah. But remember, Jesus was called Son of David also. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this, uh, so here comes this name. We know what Emmanuel means. What were you taught in Rhema Bible Training Center that Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. And now if you, uh, gosh, all you have to do is go to uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia has this name, even though it is only mentioned two times. We've read you the two times, uh, uh, three times, I guess it is that this is in the Bible at all. Uh, yeah, it's two times. And uh, this word divided up, the first part of it uh, means hurry or quickly. The second part of it means loot or booty. The third part of it means he hurried. And the fourth part of it means he got the booty. So, <laughs> so this name altogether means hurry and take the spoils. So he hurried and took the spoils. Wow. Wow. So things got in a hurry right here at the last, right before. <laughs> and you can imagine all things, all the culmination of all things was about to happen. Mm. So what did what was one of the names that the prophets gave Jesus? Uh, hurry and take the spoils, and he hurried and took the spoils. Wow, uh, that's one of the names along with God with us. What did he need? To, why was he hurrying to take the spoils? Why was the name given to him? Hurry, take the spoils, and he hurried and take the, took the spoils because he was going to be. He was indeed God with us. Wow. Mm -mm. And everything kind of happened in a hurry, quickly. It, uh, it, the word quickly comes to mind, was used to describe this entire culmination of events as to how quickly and how fast. How fast was it that it switched from the wheat and the tares being people to that the tares being the things that defiled the people? 
and the things that were in the temple, instead of destroying the temple, you destroy the things that were defiling the temple. Everything is on an express track here, according to Isaiah. And Jesus is responding to Isaiah. And he is giving his disciples these instructions about uh, the testimony. And uh, it's, it's time to seal up the law. It's time to bring an end to the law. So I'm sending you out to do this because the next thing that's going to happen is the law is going to come to an end. Uh, it is just absolutely fantastic. And then, uh, of course, um, uh, verse 14 uh, in chapter 8 says, And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a rock, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the house of Israel and a uh, a grin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Israel. So uh, those of you that are offended by Christ, you were prophesied about. Mm. <laughs> Uh, now, this prophecy was not for anybody after the cross, and that's why it is. This is an indelible stain that if you guys don't change your mind, you're just stuck on the wrong side of prophecy. That's just all there is to it. There's nothing smart. There's nothing wise. There's nothing clever about this teaching of a, a fallen mindset and that's all that's being recovered and the blood of christ could be the blood of any uh any man you're off your rocker goodness save me daniel hogwash <laughs> <laughs> you know uh when you brought this to my attention this name i went and did a little research on it looked at it of and- course you did <laughs> you know and most people think that it was uh isaiah's son but again, if you look at the context, we went back to chapter seven and we saw that this was Emmanuel. This was, um, yes. behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. And also, Michael, in that context, and we didn't see this, and I was reading as you were talking, uh, that's Isaiah seven fourteen. And if you look at verse seven fifteen or seven seventeen, which is two verses late, later, it says, the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house. Days that have not come since the day of Ephraim departing from Judah. And that's exactly the context that's mm-hmm. talking about Mahar Shalal Hashbaz is that this king of Assyria is involved. So wow. what they liken it to is the um, the overthrow of the king of Assyria. But the prophecy ties it into the work of the cross, the work of Jesus, that this one who is born of a virgin. So the only way that this could not be Christ is if Mahar Shalal Hashbaz was also born of a virgin. Exactly. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, you've, you've cracked that wide open uh, for us, Daniel, is that both of these, uh, both of these births are virgin births. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The names are different, but the directive is that these would be virgin births. It's talking about the same thing all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, this just runs right into what we've just recently taught on again, and that is into chapter nine, uh, which opened up so much to us. Now, before you get to chapter nine, I want to read the last verse of chapter eight, because it's still talking about the disciples. 
Yes. So we read in 16, 17, 18, where it talked about these disciples and that they would do these signs and wonders for Israel. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes in, well, let's just read. There's only four verses. Let's read them all. Verse 19. And when they say to you, so just like Jesus is telling his disciples, I mean, he's, he's teaching yeah. his disciples out of Isaiah chapter eight. Yeah. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards and whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living to the law and to the testimony? If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no mm. light in them. Good Lord. And then remember when Jesus talked about the persecution? Look at verse 21. They will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king mm. and their God and look upward. And then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom and anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Yes, and now please understand we're not uh, we're not implying this is happening today. Yes, uh, this this happened, mm-hmm. and but the thing that was going to cause the, uh, the misunderstanding of it, the thing that would cause a vast and devastating uh, misunderstanding, and would cause uh, uh, darkness. What was that the fact that to the law and to the testimony uh, that they were not uh, people that didn't know the law and the testimony uh, that it's because they had no light in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is one of the reasons that Jesus sent them only to Israel, because that's they were the ones who were given the light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so but even those that he went to in Israel. Many of them did not speak according to the law, nor the testimony of God. They didn't stick Mm. with it. So when you don't know the law and you don't know the testimony, the story of God himself, how can you understand the cross? Right. It's just not possible. They didn't understand. Why did they not understand what Jesus accomplished at the cross when he did? It's doesn't it just stand out in your mind and say, how in the name of heaven itself did they miss this? They missed it for the same reason people are missing it today. They don't know the law and the prophets. Mm, come on. And uh, it, and, and it, it leads to darkness pertaining to the understanding of the work of the cross. It led to darkness as to knowing what was going to happen. And now the lack of understanding of the law and the prophets leads to darkness in knowing what did happen. So what do they exchange the law and the prophets for? What did Jesus give to the disciples that would be a testimony to the Gentiles? Miracles. Yes. And they're still trying to do that today. They say, yeah. well, you know, we don't have the law and the prophets, but we can show you a miracle. Yeah. And because we can show you a miracle, then know that we're right. Know that what we're saying is true. Yeah. I, and to which I say, name that tune. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, sh- show me the video. Show me a, t- a toe cut off. Not after they grow back. Okay. Please don't <laughs> insult my intelligence like everybody did at Benny Hinn's meeting back in the 70s up in London, Ontario. And the guy stood there, and just because he said, my my, 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 my toes just, 
they, they just grew in my shoes. I just, I, I put my toasters and voila, we took off the shoe and there was the toes. Oh my Ooh. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So no, not, we're not talking about that video. Okay. I've seen that video uh, in person. Show us one. Mm-hmm. Show us one. We've been talking about the deepest, darkest part of Africa and Guinea and Ghana and Hoochie Gucci and every place else around the world where all of this stuff's just taking place all the time, you know, but it don't take place here in America because we got too much doubt and unbelief over there. They're simple and backward and they don't know anything to do, but believe God. So voila, miracles just happen all the time. Uh, sorry, those days are over. They've got iPhones there too. Now I was in Uganda, Africa, and I was amazed driving down the dirt roads all the people walking on the side of the road, you know what they're doing? They got their face planted in the smartphone. Yeah, it's exactly right. So all of these days of fake miracles uh, are over. And uh, Benny Hinn's never been able to produce one. I know, I know. You went, you'd gotten a diagnosis, you walked away, you went back and got another diagnosis, and it said you didn't have the disease. There's also misdiagnosis that can happen. Mm. You can't photograph a misdiagnosis. You can photograph a miracle. You can photograph somebody missing, got their nose cut off in a terrible accident, got a a, a left limb, uh, you know, a a, a foot. Uh, All of those things are out there, folks. We will listen to you. I have told you before, we will turn over everything we have and close the doors. And come and join you if you can produce one of those miracles. And we can see that you prayed and then the next minute it appeared. Mm. Uh, We'll close the doors. I mean, there's a lot of people that do not like this ministry whatsoever. Uh, because we are exposing the falsities of Christianity, but yet we are revealing the power of the work of the cross in making everyone righteous and holy and making us God in the earth that we are showing, which can lead and will lead if the mindset changed mindset on this side of the cross ever gets in that we are God in the earth. And what, what we do and what we say makes a difference. Now, uh, you're not going to be able to go around speaking things into existence like the lie that the Word of Faith movement told. That does not say that you should go. You can go around and speak things into existence. It says, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Once you can quicken the dead, you can raise the dead. That's what quicken means. Once you can raise the dead, then you can call those things that be not as though they were. God called those things that be not as though they were. And at the cross, those things that were not became work. Mm. It's done. And that's not something for today. That's something that was completed 2000 years ago. And now, Daniel, you just led us up to the verses we were going to read, and I'm all wound up. So, <laughs> Yeah, so if we go into chapter 9, it starts off, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at Mm. first the lightly esteemed, the land of Zebulun and the land of Neptali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, 
upon them a light has shined. You know, I'm I'm reading here this again, 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 and um, you know, if we incorporate all this all the way back to chapter seven, the first part of it says, "Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation." That's talking about Mary, mm-hmm. and uh, Mary didn't know what was going on, mm-hmm. and uh, then it goes on uh, down. And afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea by uh, beyond Jordan uh, in the uh, Galilee of the nations. And that's where that's where Mary had to go after the birth of Jesus. Yeah. And she was uh, she was vexed that they uh, they were killing babies Mm -hmm. uh, at, at the time. And uh, so I, I, I'm really quite convinced that this uh, she that's talked about in chapter nine is talking about Mary, uh, the very uh, the mother of Jesus, and uh, that great light that came was first off at the birth of Christ, and a light came and shone round about them. I think is what it says about the birth of Christ, doesn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that light was shining from the birth of Christ all the way to the death, burial, and resurrection. And it was shining brightly from his birth, uh, valley of uh, shadows and of death. Uh, There's another group that goes into this, and there's the valley of the shadows, uh, uh, which is listed here as um, uh, Zebulun and Neptalum. Uh, which is just west of Galilee, just exactly as it's uh, as describing. But also, the uh, there's another place. They say that the valley of the shadow of death is actually Gehenna. I actually saw a video on this uh, the other day. Uh, but this entire region was the shadow of death. This was where Jesus was born, and uh, this is uh, all of this took place in such a small area, uh, relatively speaking. And uh, uh, and then also took place in a very short space of time to the fulfillment of all things through the life, death, the burial and the Mm. resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what we see in the command today is we see, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is not a command that's to you and to me today, Yes, but this was a command that was given to the 12 disciples. And this is just a very, very small part of that command and the orders that Jesus gave. But also this is backdropped by and confirmed and prophesied uh, thousands of years before it ever happened, specifically by the prophet Isaiah. Who said that these, that the testimony and the law would be sealed and shut up within the disciples. My and that goodness. they would be for miracles and wonders amongst Israel. And this all culminates in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of mm. his government and peace there shall be no end. And the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And boy, did it ever. 
this this was always kind of a weird verse for me, you know, be wise as serpents and harmless mm-hmm. as doves, you know, and we were kind of sent out, you know, to try to be this way, be smart, be kind. Um, you know, certainly that's good advice to anybody, right? Be smart, mm-hmm. be kind. But when we look at it in the context of what's being said is it was a very specific uh, marching orders given to a very specific 12 people who are named. Their names are given. And uh, sorry, I don't see Daniel's name in there. No. <laughs> uh, Might have been spoken of by Daniel, but it wasn't about Daniel, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Isaiah specifically says that this would be uh, among these disciples. Yeah. And uh, again, we are always trying to put our names into the story and say, well, this is about me. It's about me. It's about me. I'm sorry to say it's yeah. not about you. And that's where the wailing and gnashing of teeth comes in. That's what people get mad about, is it's not about you. It's not about the miracles that you performed. I was one who stood up on stage and said, I've done these miracles, and we've seen this healing, and we've seen yeah. that. And I got to the point, Micah, where I wailed and gnashed my teeth when I found out all Boy. of that, as the Apostle Paul said, was just yeah. dung. I counted all as dung. Well, because that's what it was. You know, um, yep. been there, done that. Uh, lied about my own testimony. I was not told I was lying. I was told. I was told I was confessing the word. Mm. Uh, you know what I was doing? Lying. I was lying. Mm. And uh, But that's what these cultish mentalities can do. They can reword and rephrase things in people that would not, uh, would not uh, uh, tell lies. Uh, I'm not somebody that goes around telling lies. Uh, being accused of lying is probably one of the worst things you can do to me. Uh, but I'm telling you, this is, uh, uh, this is how bad this can get to the point to where that, uh, people as, as good as Daniel and I stood up and said things that simply were not true. And we're able to tell you now they were not true. Mm -hmm. So, uh, does that disqualify us, uh, from ever doing anything? Uh, right. I tell you. Uh, if uh, if being wrong disqualifies you, then everybody that ever came up with a scientific discovery was disqualified from that scientific discovery because long before they were right, they were wrong. And so it is. We must leave you, family and friends. If you'd like to know anything about the gospel revolution, then call our office on 832-318-9339 and speak to us about how you want to participate. Or go to www.gospelrevolution.com and hit the connect link. You can find us on your favorite social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Please be sure to hit that subscribe, share, and like button on whatever platform you are listening. Now it's good night from Daniel Rouse in the frozen tundra. And it's good night from Michael Lilborn Williams right here. And uh, gosh, we're getting springtime here, Daniel. I, I, didn't yeah, know yeah. whether I should tell you that. Blah, or not. Blah, blah. <laughs> Gosh, guys, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. This is a journey for us. We are here to uh, walk through this as uh, smoothly as we possibly can. If we stumble, we will get back up. If we're wrong, we will say we were wrong. Uh, if you have a question, we will answer it. And that answer may be, wow, look here, what we found. We found out that we were wrong. 
or we may find that there is a way to say this clear. Your questions are just so valuable. Uh, uh, please don't listen to us and hear. But I wonder what about that, though? You know, now when I heard that, that, that made me wonder about this. Please send that question to us. Mm -hmm. And even if you resolved it yourself, send us the question and the answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We definitely want to hear from you. Whoever you are, we would like to hear from you. We sure hope that you enjoyed today's PowerCast. And remember, we'll be here to do the same thing all over again next week only. Don said I have to say better, so that's it. Better. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. I know where that all the wild love's been knocking from within You are the love you see A perfect that you need Righteous and Yeah, yeah, yeah Even if you're lost and alone Staring at me gotta be nothing to complete it's not a thing that you need you're the love just remember to breathe and take a second off look i'm just trying to remind you that you're Deconstructing religion and barbecuing the sacred cows of Christianity before your very eyes. You are listening to The Gospel Revolution.